0: I'm your host, the Coupon Queen, Ben. Guys, you know, we just went through black history. Now we're in Women's History Month. And I have a gentleman who just doesn't celebrate February, but he celebrates black history all year round. So let's take a moment out and I'll be right back with James. <laughs>
1: world's greatest call me the world famous uh-huh. epmd you won the head banger Bango. putting on a show for all of the spectators uh-huh. i spent too much time in my life for dressing haters i'm talking? randy savage i'm not even average uh-huh. you need needed
0: so guys like i was saying i have james cb gray and he is wow I don't even know what to say he is, he's an activist, a mentor, actor, you know, I'm starting to be convinced that he has, you know, a cape and an S under his suit or something, I'm, I'm not sure, but I will let him introduce himself, so James, please introduce yourself to my listeners and viewers.
2: Hello, listeners and viewers, uh, I'd like to thank Lashonda for giving me this opportunity, uh, we met a couple of days ago, at at an event um, I was having at uh, the Sotomayor Center, honoring some amazing Black women who are um, in politics
1: and and, and
2: law. Um, my, my introducing myself is a lot. What I had what I had to do over the years is kind of uh, create an introduction based on how people, you know, in, know me or or meet me. So if, I'm, if we're talking about politics, okay, yes, I'm the uh, county committee man for the 68th Assembly District of New York State. If we're talking about uh, film, I'm an actor who's been in the Screen Actors Guild for over 20 years, same acting coach as Dems of Washington, you know, worked on a couple of major projects and I'm producing some now. You know, if we're talking about activism, yes, I came up under Reverend Al Sharpton as one of his, you know, uh, mentees and, you know, done a lot in the community. And, you know, but overall, everything that I do uh, reflects back on giving back, pulling people up, passing the torch, and also having a good understanding of how important it is for us to work together
1: as people, you know. One of the things that actually uh, got me
0: was when you said you do Black History 365
2: yeah <laughs>
0: so okay what is that
2: like what is that about well you know we st- black all right first of all I love black history um black history really was like the foundation of everything that made me who I am today um identifying it and really getting absorbed in it you know once we start to look at our ancestors and look at our colleagues and our counterparts and look at us as a whole and look at everything that we've we've contributed to the world, not just the United States of America, you know, we start to realize, wow, we, we're an amazing people. Um, looking at these things tends to boost our confidence level and our self-esteem level. And, and this is what we need, especially when it comes to the youth and teenagers you know, who are in very critical phases of, of, of misplacement and are not sure of themselves. You know, I always tell people, you could tell, you know, a confident child by what they know about themselves and what they know about where they come from, you know? And I was like, I, I was like first, had a first hand account because my mother and father always kept us into the arts, culture, history realm. You know what I'm saying? I'm probably the only guy that does it. That's really not into sports, you know, and video games because I was so engulfed in, you know, um, history. No, I know a few. I know a few. Okay, well, you know what? I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to link with like-minded brothers, you know, on that level. So we can talk about that too, because you know, I, I've been in so many rooms and so many conversations where once sports and is off the once the sports discussion is out the way. A lot, of, a lot of brothers like myself, you know, don't have any other platform to speak on. And it's very, very unfortunate because that's the easy way to get us out of the conversation and out of the picture, you know? So that's another thing that always motivated me listen. I wanna be a part of every conversation because there's so much that we can get out of it if we're in the right rooms and the right conversations. And also we've been left, left out on so many different levels because we're not in the right conversations especially when it comes to economics, especially when it comes to education, especially when it comes to health. You know, these are conversations that we have to really be hands on and because it's affecting us in a detrimental way, you know? know, Sometimes I I, I get all over the place, but it all comes back together. No, I I get it, I get it.
0: So Uh, with that being said, what was your major focus in Black history? What really got you started?
2: Okay, so uh, when I was in third grade, we had a um, Black History Month. The whole school had to do a book report about a Black history fi- influential figure. And, you know, everybody's doing Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass. You know, I mean, like, almost the whole school did those three people. And, you know, that that's how crazy it was. So when I, told, I came home and told my father about it, and my father took me to the library. You know, and that's one thing that I miss so much is going to the library and being a part of that was like a, another world that that I just never wanted to leave because I would re- read so much, you know, back then. And I'm always encouraging the youth to read more, read, 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 you know, um, there's reading, reading and playing a musical instrument as a child are two things that give you access to brain power that the average child doesn't have you know not just the brain power prospect but it opens your it it, it, it increases your ability to, to uh, brain function when you're reading or playing a musical instrument so those are two things i'm always encouraging parents oh my god he likes the piano you stay on him with that you know i i started off as a drummer and yeah. ended up ended up going around the world three times with major recording artists you know and everything you know but that that at foundation kept me going. My mother asked me at five years old, do you want a video game or you want a drum set? And that was one of the most important decisions I made in my life, is to choose that drum set. You see what I'm saying? So, back to the uh, Black history fact, right? Um, My father took me to the library, got a book about Fannie Lou Hammer. And I never heard of her until that point, you know. I'm like, you know, who's you know, who's this, you know, and we start reading this book and everything. And I'm like, oh my God, she coined the phrase, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. (laughs) You know, I even knew about that at an early age. I've heard it, but I didn't know it came from her, you know, started reading about all of, you know, this, this black woman was, oh man, she was incredible. And beyond just being incredible, she had a presence, a, a demanding presence at that. And a and a very very loud voice that you couldn't like ignore, <laughs> and um, she came. At, at my father, my father's from Mississippi, so he was actually there. He saw her speak in person and everything back when he was a kid. You know what I'm saying? So that 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 never left him. So you know when when he get when he got an opportunity to introduce me to her, that was like one of the, he, he he was really excited about that. So we got about two books, did the whole book report, turned it in. My teacher was like, okay, who's this? You know, she and she she reiterated, you know, it had we were looking for a, a black figure who's known. I said, I said, just read the book report. And she read it and she was like, Oh my God, she went crazy. She took it to another teacher who had never heard about Fanny New Hammer. They took it to another teacher. And it's like this This huddle is growing and growing and growing until it's about five teachers. And then they go to the principal. And he's like, oh, my God. How, how can we not have heard about this woman? And that's how I ended up getting the award out of everybody in the whole school, first place uh, for this book report. And that award was like confirmation that this is, this is what I need to be doing. This is... This is what, just imagine all the other black history, you know, uh, figures, events, you know, situations, everything that's happened that wasn't documented. We only know about 35 to 40 really. And that's on the surface of, of, of the justice side. We're not even talking about the injustice. You know, if you look at the three, the three civil rights workers, you know, down in uh, Mississippi, my father was actually right there when they pulled the bodies off the bank of the Mississippi River of these three boys that were killed. You know, now check this out. This is a this is a time factor because that was happening in Mississippi. My father was on the bank when they pulled the bodies out in New York City, uh, New Rochelle, New York, to be exact, where my mother's from. My mother's English te- uh, high school English teacher was the mother of one of those boys, okay? Yeah, and uh, she's from from Pelham. And the principal came into the classroom to tell her that they had found her son's body, which my father was watching being pulled out of the bank, and she collapsed in my mother's arms and passed out. As they told her. We're talking about a moment in time, literally, as my father's watching the body being pulled out, the principal tells the, uh, his mother, his, his body's been found, and my mother catches her as she passes out. You see what I'm saying? 20 yeah. years later, my mother and father would meet, not knowing that they were in the same space and time. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. You see what I'm saying? So that the Black history was already, it was already in uh, it manifesting before I was even born. It's just your yeah.
0: DNA. It's who you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So you and I actually met because of an organization which you are Mr. President. Yes, Ark of Justice.
2: Ark of Justice is a, a civil rights organization. Um, which is founded by Reverend Kirsten John Foy. Uh, he was supposed to be there that day, but he's it's, it's, you think I'm busy? <laughs> That cat is busy too. So, uh, Reverend Kirsten John Foy, that's like my big brother. Uh, me and this brother, man, we've been on the front lines for over ten years together. Me and him started off uh, at the National Action Network under Reverend Al Sharpton. Uh, Reverend Kirsten John Foy was like Reverend Al Sharpton's uh, lieutenant for you know for years. And when I came into the National Action Network, uh, Reverend Sharpton put, you know put me in his you know care like yo. Show him the ropes, you know. Look out for him, and we became really close. Um, and we did a lot in the in the National Action Network together. And uh, about f- three years ago, he broke off and launched his own uh, um, or civil rights organization called the Arc of Justice. And we're still, you know, c- connected with Reverend Al Sharpton. He's he's like our father, so we, we 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 still work with him and everything like that. We uh, Arc of Justice is. Uh, actually the fastest growing civil rights organization in the United States right now. And we have, you know, our mission is definitely along the same lines of Reverend Al Sharpton and Martin Luther King, nonviolent social justice, you know, and also providing extreme uh, resources all across the board, specifically to minorities and, and, and people of color, you know, and and underserved communities and individuals. You know what I'm saying? We We got Cases all over the United States right now um, that we're fighting for and, and trying to bring justice to, you know. So yeah, Arca Justice. I, I'm 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 not, I'm actually the president of the Arca Justice Bronx chapter. You know. Okay. okay. So do so our, how I'll many know. chapters are there? Uh, right now, there's about uh, thirty chapters throughout the United States, uh, but and we're growing. I mean, like fast, <laughs> you know, uh, in a good way. You know, we we have a lot of people. That uh, from from other regions that were already see there's already a, a civil rights network. You know what I'm saying? We look at um, right uh, the NAACP. Right. Uh, look at the uh, um, what's the name? Um, um the, of course, and then NAACP N- N- National Action Network. Um, and there's another one that I always forget the name of, and I know these guys. They're going to kill me. <laughs> uh, Urban League, Urban League, yeah. You know, okay. okay. We, all work together, we all work together too, man. Whenever we can, you know, providing resources and, and connecting the dots. You know, so yeah, Justice uh, is doing some amazing work, especially in the Bronx now. Um, and uh, we have a location on the corner of 166 and Morris Avenue in the Bronx. But we're all over. I mean, no matter where anything happens in the Bronx, like even with the when the fire uh, went down, you know, right, I was the Twin
0: Parks fire, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, I was I was already in connected with the um, Gambian community in the Bronx. Right. Okay. You know, like so when that happened, they were calling me. You know, and I got down there, and man, we had truckloads full of stuff man. Uh, a lot of donations, a lot of food, clothing, um, and we even donated a lot of money. You know, to try to help these people as much as we could too. You know, right. But, I- you know we it's funny like we do this on a on a regular basis there's a lot of people out there trying to get the photo op and all this stuff
0: right right and 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 I think that's I think one of the craziest things is that's what people are known for is trying to get the optics um for those that don't know I actually had a little and and I'm hesitant to say this a little kerfuffle with uh Tony Herbert because he utilized my uh my, my community for public benefit. And when I asked the question, because those that know me know I'm not afraid to ask the question, and I asked the question, well, why here? And he said, well, because the community has the name of the, the, the Supreme Court justice. And I said, well, you could have done it anywhere. You could have picked any community. Why, why do that? My community is not for optics.
1: to do that
2: you know what I'm saying we, we, we never needed the optics and I'm not a big fan you know there's people that don't know me but know know some know stuff that I've done and I'm great with that you know what I'm saying because you know I'm known in other ways you know respectively as well so you know I, I look at that's one thing Levin Sharpton always told me he said listen don't worry about the accolades the awards if you start doing the work and let me tell you there was a time when I was, you know, first, you know, first getting my feet wet in activism. And I'm like, man, I want to be, I want to be, I want to, and Reverend Sheldon was like, no, 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 don't focus on that. And, and let me tell you, systematically, it happens even faster than I thought because I had entrenched myself in the work. And, you know, sometimes you dig in so hard, you know, and you, you you don't even look up to see like, oh, wow, we're here already. You know, that's right. how I am right. <laughs> you know and i've always been on the front lines and always you know i'm always challenging myself to do better and to do more for others and along that process there's so many people that don't understand the concept of of giving or selfless service that they don't understand you'll never be without if you're giving i don't care
0: so
2: true so way. true i'm going to tell you there was a time many many years ago when uh, I, a friend of mine was in a bad situation and needed a place to stay, and you know, I said, "Oh, you know," I said, "You know, you you could come stay with me for a while, you know, till you get on your feet, you know." And um, you know, he was really thankful for it and everything. And I remember one day he, you know, he asked me for a couple of dollars to get something to eat, you know. So I gave him ten dollars, and he took that ten dollars and he got something to eat, but he also bought a, a scratch off or something, you know. And he calls me like a half an hour later, man, going crazy. Like, yo, man, I just won $35,000 with that scratch-off from the money you gave me. You know what I'm saying? And that $35,000 was able to help this brother with his situation, and he was able to help me out too, you know, but I didn't do it for that. I just, I know the brother needed something to eat, I, but I didn't know that right. me helping him in that particular instance was going to help us both. You see what I'm saying? Now the blessing came back, you know. Average person, oh, man, I'm already letting you stay here. Now you want something to eat? I could have did it like that. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. But I'm like, right, right. Everybody deserves the right to eat. You know, I've even been behind, you know, food giveaways and pantries for years because I know how important that is. You know, my dream is to have a 24-hour soup kitchen, and that's gonna happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, this, this is a scenario, and sometimes the average person, you know, they they they're they're so not giving. That they miss out on a blessing of their own you know and i'm trying to get always get people. yeah and,
0: and i think that that's one of the crazy things so i i don't know when you're coming over to sotomayor for the um giveaway i'm just saying you know i'm putting that out there
2: oh no 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 let me know we can you know i have resources too you know what i'm saying whatever you want to do you know we can we can, we can make it happen
0: Perfect. Perfect. But I mean, this is so amazing just to watch how you're not only helping the community, but you're setting up and guys, you know where I'm going with this, a legacy of your own you oh, know, yeah. with making sure that the youth are covered, making sure that one black history isn't forgotten because we always talk about Black History Month and Martin Luther King's birthday and this and that, but you are putting it out there 365 days a year, not just for people to hear, not just for people to read, but for people to see, because you put it on Instagram. Um, you're putting out videos, you're putting out pictures, you're putting out all this stuff. And then you are working you know, with Arc of Justice and you're out there and you're meeting the community where they're at which is so awesome. But in All of that, you are still finding time to act and make <laughs> movies and, you know, and I, I think what I'm really getting at is you're making sure that the story is told and it's told from a place where you're in it. You're not telling someone else's story. You're telling your own in essence. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah, and that's very important. Uh, because a lot of us think that it can only be done, you know, behind the scenes and and things like that. You know, I, I'm also the um, board of directors for, I'm mean, the chairman of the board of directors for an organization called Street Corner Resources. Street Corner Resources is one, one of the leading um, anti-gun violence organizations in New York City right now. It's uh, led by, founded my sister Aisha Sekou, another powerful sister, which is like, she's like a mother to me. And I've been with her since day one of of organizing this um, organization. And Mm -hmm. we tell you what we do on a daily basis, just with gun violence is something that a lot of people don't really know about. A lot lot of people talk about gun violence issues, but when you're in a hospital looking at, you know, that kind of trauma, When you're talking to the families, trying to console them, when you're outside the hospital trying to do, uh, prevent retaliation between the two sides, you know, these are the things that we deal with on a daily basis. We also have a team of young brothers, man, who patrol the streets and reach out to the shooters and the gangsters and ask them, listen, what is it going to, what do you need to get off of the street? Do you, you need to get in school? We got a program for that. You need job training? We got a program for that. You want to go to college? We got a program for that. We got scholarships, resources, employment, and everything. And you know, how, you know there's a, a, so many of those guys that when we present it to them like that, they just start crying. Because they said, wow, wow, nobody's ever asked me that. Nobody's ever right. really with a solution or an opportunity on that level that's Leveraging me getting off of this corner, you know. Organizations called Street Corner Resources. Our our mission is to meet you on the streets with resources. And at that point in time, when you're confronted by us with a proposition on alternatives, and you decide not to do it now, that's going to reflect on what happens with you, because now God's looking down like, okay, what's he going to do? You know what I'm saying? And there's some, some people who are, who are so lost that they don't get it. They don't understand it. We're trying to give them. And we, we take the kids to the hospital to see what happens when people get shot. And that, that's that's traumatizing. But some, it's like shock therapy too. You know, sometimes that's what people need to see. Some people really don't believe that it could happen to them. Right. Not every day somebody gets shot. Somebody gets killed. You know what I'm saying? The longer you stay on this corner, The the higher that percentage uh, uh, is of you becoming that person, because what happens is a lot of these people at that point have not taken control of their destiny, have not made a conscious decision of how they want their life to, to go. And when you don't decide for yourself how you want your life to go, now you're in limbo. And you and and you just fall, you you just you can fall into so many different equations that have nothing to do with your success, nothing to do with you be you, you being great, nothing to do with with people uplifting you. you you take yourself out of that equation of opportunity when when you're not able to govern for yourself how you would like to live and how, how, you know and what you would like you know to happen to yourself. You know, and I tell people all the time, especially the youth, you got to have a dream, a plan, or a goal. If not all three, if you don't have any of those, then you can say you can't ask yourself, "Oh my God, how did I get in this situation?" You didn't. You weren't proactive enough to 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 decide where you even wanted to go. You see what I'm saying? I guess what? There's a whole industry that's paid for and financed and set up for people who don't have a destination, who don't have a dream, plan, or a goal, okay? Yeah, and they'll give you three meals a day. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And they'll pay for you to be housed. But guess what? They can't guarantee your protection. You could die every single day that you're in jail or prison. You could die. Mm. I knew somebody that died in prison that was in jail for child support. Wow. It, you know what? You know who that happened to? Uh, um, Gerald Levert's son too. Really. Yeah. Wow. But that's that's crazy. To be in jail for something like child support and then get killed. And you know?
0: I think the thing that gets me is we're not seeing it. And I, and I love the fact that you're meeting them where they are. So to have something like street corner justice where you're saying, hey, okay, there is another way. And m- My biggest issue, and this is just, guys, this is my personal pet peeve, is there were so many programs that were offered, but they weren't working, and no one was making sure that they did or did not work.
2: Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, that happens so much, and I'm going to tell you why. A lot of these programs are being financed, and there's people that get the money, and whether it works or not, there's really a lot of times nobody comes back around to, to check if, if if things are working. They think, okay, nobody's complaining, the money's going where it needs to go, and you know what? The the worst part is, a lot of the entities who are making sure the money gets to where it goes, some of these guys are like, wow, you know, we're not having any complaints. We go, I guess you know things are going good, but most cases, it's there's people that are taking this money, and the programs are. If you was to go back around and, and okay, oh, how's this program going? Oh, uh, we haven't done anything in a while. I've heard that because there's several programs that I, wanted to, to, that, that I wanted to connect with and network with that I found out are no longer even operating, but nobody ever asked the question. So people think that it's still going on. You see what I'm saying? So that, that's, that's, that's devastating because it happens so many times in our communities. You know what I'm saying? And nobody is getting any backlash. Nobody's getting confronted or, uh, or uh, asked what happened. What's going on? What's the result? You know, every program I have, I can show you results over years. I can show you children that are in college right now. I can show you that people that came out of college and are, are working in jobs that are given back, too. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm always I, I'm right now I'm, I'm putting together something called the accountability factor. Okay. <laughs> and this is something that's going to be um asking the questions that nobody wants to ask or, or forget about cuz you know once the once the, the cameras start flashing and, and and rolling right after that okay a lot of times we forget about it you know unless you're looking back on pictures and things but if you look at a lot of the uh, the of candidates who are running for office Right, they'll make so many promises. Look at uh, Joe Biden, for instance. When he first came in on the scene as a candidate for president, he was talking about reparations. Right, right. Everybody else who was in that equation running for office at that time was talking about reparations too. Once he got in office. He hasn't even said a, a word with the with with the begin with a letter R. Pretty much,
0: pretty much. Okay, and so, okay. For those of you that don't know what reparations are, it has to do with forty acres and a mule. There was a promise made to freed African Americans once you know once everything was settled. Because unfortunately, and I know James, you can attest to this. Unfortunately, we don't want to talk about the history of African Americans, but we were considered property and not people. Um, So, and even in the first census, I think it was, don't quote me, but I think it took three to five Black men to be considered equal to one white man.
2: The voting realm, they said, okay, three three black men equal one white man. Okay. So now the, the the crazy part is this the three-fifth clause is still in effect. Did you know that?
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So
2: that basically means that we're not a whole human being. Like we're, you know, and that's one thing I love about uh, uh former councilman Eddie King. He never let up off of that, you know, that three fifth clause was something he was really fighting for. And I said, wow, you know, a lot of people don't even know that it hasn't been reversed. You know what I'm saying? So technically there's a lot going on that that could be attributed to the three fifth clause, the uh, the, uh, 14th amendment, you know, these things that are still like waving in plain
0: sight. Right. Even um, what is it? The one drop rule. Yeah, (laughs) no one realizes that the one drop rule is still in effect. Which, for those that don't know, one drop of African American blood, if you are tested, automatically makes you black. Which, right now, the craziest thing is this is how the medical community gets away with saying, "Well, everyone is everything." Um, You know,
1: I'm into specifics.
2: I'm into numbers. I'm into really getting a good idea of what we're dealing with because when you start to generalize too many things so much falls through the cracks and then even your argument and your platform can be dissolved at the same time you know what i'm saying and i've seen people who strategically do this they'll come in there with in a a conversation that's viable and by the time y'all leave uh well you know it wasn't really that big of an issue yes it was and it still is you know what i'm saying so we got to really be more affirmative when it comes to, you know, keeping our focus, focusing on the narrative and letting that, letting anybody change that narrative, too. There's a lot of gray areas in here that cancel out things that are, are going to benefit us. And I don't, you know, people don't understand that for there to be entities involved in our lives that sometimes we don't even know. But you know what, why would somebody go to so to such large of uh, such a large extent to disenfranchise somebody who they say isn't anybody? You, you see what I'm saying? Nobody's, you know, a lot of people, enough people don't ask that question. But I can tell you that somebody knows something about you that you don't know about yourself. And that right there, is a conversation that we need to really have. Yes. Yes. That, right, even when, especially when it comes to the voting prospect, why would somebody be trying to disenfranchise us from voting for so long if it didn't matter? Okay? Because they could, oh man, forget about those guys. They could say that if, if it didn't matter. But they had to go, they went the opposite route of, okay, how can we put it to where voting for them is going to be more complicated or, right. you, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, man, throughout the years, looking at, you know, uh, the poll test and, and and all the stuff they've been doing. It, it's, now, Freedom Summer was the uh, voting registration drive that Martin Luther King did, uh, uh, which ended up with those three uh, guys being killed. You know, Freedom Summer was one of the most aggressive voting registration campaigns ever done, and it was so it was so powerful and so successful that the Ku Klux Klan said, "Man, we we got to break this up. We got to do something that's going to strike fear in these people so much that they're not going to want to vote." And when they killed those three boys, that that's what happened. And they two of them was white, so they sent a special message. To what they called at that time the nigger lovers, which were white people that were sympathetic towards blacks. Yeah. And, uh, and they even killed the Jew boy from the from the north, whose mother was my uh, mother's English teacher. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, right. they just they just named the bridge after him over here in Pelham. Um was it Michael
1: Schworn? Bridge. Okay, okay,
2: okay. So that, that's a whole other topic.
0: Well, let's put it this way. I, I, I know my history. I'm not too well-versed in traffic, bridges, and architecture. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no. You know, they, they just, they, in, his, in his memory, you know, they, they did it. You know, and
2: I was, I was so mad I wasn't able to be there. Just, I, you know, I have history with this the whole situation, you know. But, um, yeah, I'm just glad they got something done for him because, you know, his mother was, like, really suffering for years with that, you know. But um, yeah, I'm sorry. Sometimes I get sidetracked.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, it 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 how can I put it? When you talk about the history, when you talk about the when you talk about Black history, it is not linear, and 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 that is what we fail to realize. It is really not linear. It goes through sto- It goes through the stories. It goes through the trenches. It goes through everything, and we want to pretend it's linear, as though you know, oh well, it was. Martin and then Malcolm, Marcus Garvey, and then this one, but it's it's not that. That is not the story at all. There's a lot of interconnection. There are a lot of interwoven stories. There are a lot of, you know, just looking at, you know, we're just telling the story of the computers um, of IBM. You know, we're just talking about Katherine Johnson. We're just talking about And the funniest thing was my mother did her dissertation on the computers of IBM and had no clue until this came out that these women were Black because they only told us about non-Black women doing this job. Yeah. You know
1: what, there's a guy named, uh, there was a guy named Jerry Larson. Jerry Larson actually created the first Console, video game console. Jerry Larson, he was an older black guy who was a scientist and an engineer. And whenever he was going to these meetings to talk talk to investors about video games, they could not understand how an older black man was even into this, or could even come up with anything viable, you know, on a video game scale. So they never took him seriously. What he had to do, he had to bring in a couple of younger white guys. And those younger white guys, he was preparing them to go in to get the money to bring back so they could free it on And they ended up stabbing him in the back.
0: And Steve Jobs... James, James, people. give me a minute, because your sound, for some reason, went a little wonky. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really tinny. I don't understand why. Is, is, it, is, it, my, is it my phone? Um, it might be, I'm not sure. Are you hearing me clearly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I don't know. It's set, but it sounds really, all of a sudden, you went really tinny. Like you're not, it's not even changing. I can hear you, but it sounds really low. What about, what about, uh, what about if I put in headphones? That might work. That might work. Yeah. Because you were giving such great information and all of a sudden it just got really, really low. Uh, can you hear me now? Oh, that is so much better. Okay, so let's pick it up from when you were talking about um,
2: the uh, they, creation
0: of the first um, the Yeah, first he, he the console. first
2: home video console game and I can't remember the name of it, but one of, the, one of the young white kids that he brought in to teach and help with this whole um, thing was um, Steve Jobs. You see what I'm saying? Shortly after that, a lot of stuff started opening up for him. He got all his money and everything. Jerry Lawson, you know, for years, he never really got his respect due in that industry. So he, was, he decided to write a book. And this book was going to really kind of be like a tell-all about how he had gotten ripped off, and people had stole from him, and people that he trusted. So there's a couple of people in some very high places that didn't want that book to come out. And during the process of him writing this book, you know, he mysteriously dies. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So I I reached out to the family. and about doing something about you know right you know, doing something with them, about uh, his legacy. Um, they I think st- they they ended up giving him some kind of award or something to kind of you know but it, it it's something real deep. But just understanding that a black man was involved in, on a major level in the creation and the foundation of the video game world that we had no idea. You know what I'm saying? So that's an I'm, and I'm still like on that on the case, you know, gathering information. Cause uh when when he died, somehow the the uh, the all the information for the book got stolen. Wow. It's kind of weird how that happened. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of young black males and black females need to know that the, we have, you know, contributed even because if you don't know you, oh, you know, the Chinese and the white people did. Right,
0: right, and, it, it, and I think one of the things is when we talk about the contributions, we talk about past inventions, we talk about Madam C.J. Walker, but for oh, the yeah, most yeah. part, our, our contributions are considered entertainment,
1: sports, yes. music,
0: yeah. dance, the arts, but it's always entertainment. We don't talk about the contributions to science. We don't talk about, and and and, and guys, when I'm saying science, I mean, Uh-oh. you know, contributions to technology, contributions to medical science, contributions. It's it's almost like a fluke. I mean, um, for for me, for Black history, I don't know if you got a chance to see my page, but I actually went ahead and tried to find my best to find black inventors.
2: Oh, I got a bunch of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got, so,
0: I mean, you know, and and it's because the contributions are always. Oh, this one was a great singer. This one was a great dancer. You know, this one was, you know, great basketball player. But there's more. There's so much more. And that's what I mean by our our history isn't linear.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Our history yeah. isn't linear.
2: It's 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 it's, a, it's on a whole nother level and um, I'm always using that energy to influence the youth. This is why I took it to social media because that's where the youth is, okay?
0: So guys, as you can tell, this is part one of the interview. Oh my goodness, he is just jam-packed full of knowledge and information. You definitely have to stay tuned for part two. And of course, his info is in the show notes, so you won't miss a thing. As always, guys, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and happy shopping.